We're in a series of messages on the life of David, who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. And there's so much that we can learn from the life of David and so much that we've already walked through in the life of David. And this morning, the passage of Scripture is extremely familiar. There's probably very few people um, who don't even know this story. That Maybe they don't even have a church background, but everybody's heard of David and Goliath. You're like, oh, great. It's going to be a Sunday school message. I promise it's not going to be that kind of a message. In fact, I want you to really sit back and, and listen this morning and, and be ready to take what we're talking about this morning and be ready to apply it to your life. Now, that's what we try to do every week. But this week especially, if you're not paying attention, I'm going to throw quarters at you. So don't go to sleep. Dollars, that wouldn't hurt. A quarter. But you know, we all face obstacles in our life. We all have challenges. We all have problems. We all have things that come up against us. And, and none of us in this room are immune from that. If you are, like, let me know your story so we can all learn from how this works in your life. Because in, in most of humanity, and in fact, in really in all of humanity, we face struggles, we face problems, and no, no matter what it is, whether it's health, it could be relationship issues, it could be finances, the list goes on and on and on of the problems that arise in our lives. And a lot of times, some problems will feel bigger than they are. They'll feel um, so big that they paralyze us in fear, and we're unable to move forward because we worry about what the outcome is going to be. And sometimes those problems, they actually feel like giants in our lives. And we just kind of sit and wait for the day when the giant is going to defeat us and ultimately devour us. How we deal with problems and, and giants, a lot of times it's all about perspective. Reminds me of the story of this lady whose husband had died and she wanted him to be buried in a blue suit. I, there's no really significance to the blue suit, but blue suit, she was set on it. So she goes to the funeral home to make the preparations, and the funeral director had her husband um, in a black suit. And so she gave him a check, and she said, I want you to go out and buy my husband a brand new blue suit, because that's what I want him to be buried in. And money is no object, I want it to be a nice suit. So he says, Okay. So a few days later, the lady goes back to the, to the funeral home, and the funeral director shows her, and he's in this fantastic suit, Italian, tailored, beautiful blue suit. And she is happy with the outcome. And she says, how much did the suit cost? And he said, oh, it was free. And she said, free? How in the world can a suit like this be free? The guy goes, well, there was another gentleman about the same size as your husband that died. And his wife didn't care what he was buried in. So I swapped her heads. It's terrible, I know. Problem solved. Right? Listen, I don't know what everybody in here does this morning, but if you're a funeral director, please don't ever switch heads. <laughs> Just take the time to change the suit. 
the perspective of how we deal with problems, right? And this guy thought he had the easiest solution that there was. And we're all appalled this morning. I pray that that's just a story that was made up and it was not true. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. You start kind of looking into the, to the passage that we're going to talk about today and kind of the narrative of, of what's happening with Israel and with David and with Saul. Again, we see these two characters are, are paramount in each other's lives, especially in David's early life. So we pick up the story this morning in 1 Samuel 17, beginning verse 23, and I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. It says, And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood up, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So let's kind of set up the the story. And again, this this is a story that a lot of people are familiar with. But basically we have Israel is at war with the Philistines again. It's a, it's a very typical narrative. It occurs over and over and over in Scripture. And we see in this particular instance that they're camped across from one another, and there's not really a war happening. The Philistines have their secret weapon, Goliath, who comes out each and every day and challenges a one-on-one battle so that they don't have to fight the greater war. Why? Because Goliath knows he's probably going to beat anybody that you have on your team. And so David is sent by his dad to check on his older brothers who were serving in the army, who were at, and we'll use quotes this morning, war. And so he sends supplies with young David to go check out his brothers. And then David hears this this giant who comes out defying God and, and defying the armies of Israel. Basically, he's taunting Israel. And he's begging them to come out. But what David notices is Saul, who is king, and the rest of the armies of Israel are completely paralyzed in fear by this giant. Because whoever Israel sends out, it basically means death. Like, this isn't a battle that looks winnable. Goliath is huge, he's a, he's a very known warrior, and he has a reputation, and not to mention the fact that he's a giant. And so Israel is completely paralyzed in fear. And David arrives on the scene and witnesses Goliath and says, who is this giant that he should defy the armies of the living God? And see, a lot of times in our lives, we have giants. And we have problems and we have things that come against us and situations that enter our lives. And they're giants. They seem insurmountable. We don't know how we're going to get through this. We don't know how we're going to get around it. We don't know what to do. And what happens is, just like the armies of Israel, we're paralyzed in fear. And we're just waiting for the giant to destroy us. So this morning we're going to talk about what giants do to us. And then we're going to talk about what we do then to giants So that we can be the overcomers that God has called us to be. Number one, giants always seem to come out of nowhere, don't they? 
Like you're walking around in life and, you know, you're just minding your own business, so to speak, and then boom, you run into one of these giants and it seems to come out of nowhere. A couple of years ago, when we were in San Antonio, I was eating lunch with a few friends of mine and we walked out of this little sandwich shop and I was talking to the youth pastor at our church, Derek, at the time, and I had my head turned and I was talking and when I turned, I ran into someone. It was kind of embarrassing, you know, because it's not nice to run into people, you know. Um, but usually at my height, if I run into somebody, it's kind of, they kind of stumble. And this time I stumbled a little bit. It was like I hit a brick wall. And when I hit and I looked up, and that doesn't happen a lot to me either. It was Tim Duncan who plays for the San Antonio Spurs, and I ran smack into his stomach with my forehead. And he is a pretty big dude. And he just came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. I was minding my own business. wasn't minding his. And smack right into him I came. And problems in our lives happen like that. They come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's from our own choices. And other times it's just the situations that we live in, the world that we live in. And so we're going to run smack dab into problems. And this is kind of the same narrative that happens to Israel. Israel and the Philistines had been at war over and over, and they're going to be at war over and over. And, and this time, it felt like it was going to be the same thing. They're camped in basically the same place. They're ready to go do battle. Israel knows, like, okay, we got these guys. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this guy, Goliath. And he's big, and he's afraid, and they're afraid, and he's not. And that's the way giants come. They seem to always want to come at the point when we feel like we're the most vulnerable, don't they? They never come when you feel like a warrior and you're ready to overtake and to overcome whatever comes. Giants never appear there, do they? They always come when you feel vulnerable and when you feel like you're going to be defeated. The second thing giants are is they are relentless. The Bible says that for 40 days, I want you to think about how long 40 days really is. It's a long time, especially if you're camping out in the middle of the wilderness with very few supplies and armor and you're standing out in the sun. How many of you have ever been to Israel and you see where some of these spots are that, that these guys fought? It's not great terrain and it's not a really comfortable place. You know, it's not like they were sitting in their houses. They had very few supplies and, and, and very few resources to work with, which is one of the reasons why David was there in the first place to help his brothers. So this wasn't a comfortable environment. So for 40 days, two times a day, Goliath would come out from the ranks of the Philistines and would basically stand in the middle of the field and he would basically taunt God and the armies of Israel and would talk about what cowards they were, how weak they were, well, you know, and just and basically, you know, in modern vernacular, he talked junk to them all day long. He talked trash to them. He was a trash talker. And he dared anybody to step out in the name of God or in anything else. He was relentless. So 80 times this giant had stood out and basically told Israel they were nothing. These guys weren't even men. They were, oh, I'm going to, I will kill any of you any day. And so Israel is paralyzed in fear because the giant it was relentless. And, and what's interesting too about this is the Bible says that Saul was a head and shoulders taller than anybody else in the army of Israel. So he was the biggest, the strongest, and really the, the most likely challenger to go out 
and face Goliath. And as king, it was his duty to represent the armies of God and to represent God. But we have to remember at this stage in his life, Saul has really turned his back on God and is not in communion with God anymore. And so Saul sees the situation like the rest of the army of Israel does, that in his own ability, that he does not have what it takes to defeat this giant. And so everyone is just waiting for what's going to happen. So Saul's back cowering with the rest of his army. Number three, giants are severe. Like really severe. And Goliath is no different. The Bible says that his armor plate or his breastplate weighed 125 pounds. Now think about that for a minute. And keep it in mind that David probably didn't even weigh 125 pounds at this time. And this man's breastplate weighed 125 pounds. So imagine, like, how many bags of Quick Creek guys that would be on your chest. And imagine the stature of a man that it would take to carry that. The Bible says that his spear was 26 feet long. That's intimidating. And the head of the spear weighed 17 pounds. And the diameter of his spear was about two and a half to three inches in diameter. So basically, he had a telephone pole with a metal end on it. And he's standing there with this thing. And imagine the rest of his armor that he wore. And the Bible says that he was like pretty close to 10 feet tall. Just an enormous man. I wouldn't even want to guess at how much that spear weighed total. But could you imagine throwing something 26 feet long with a 17 pound on the end of it and being able to throw that in war? And imagine what that did to someone if it hit you. Goliath was a scary guy. When I was younger, I had, to, I had a friend that played for the Charlotte Hornets. And one night I got the opportunity to go to a dinner that Shaquille O'Neal was at. And he sat next to me. So I've been in the presence of a pretty big dude before. And let me tell you, Shaquille O'Neal is like seven foot one, 300 and something pounds. He's a big man. But in comparison to Goliath, he's not a big man. This man was so large, Shaquille O'Neal, that I kid you not, the left leg of his pants, me and my three boys could have camped out comfortably <laughs> in just the inseam of one of his pants. He wears a size 22 shoe. I wear a 14 and people look at me like I'm wearing skis all the time. A 22 shoe, it's like this long. And he's only seven foot one. Imagine what another three feet would be. I'm six four, so that would mean like if I brought my son, Nixon, who's like three feet and some change up here, and stood him next to me is what Shaquille O'Neal would look like next to Goliath. Put that into perspective. If you ever saw any highlights of Shaquille O'Neal playing basketball and how he threw grown men that were six foot seven around like they were nothing. Imagine the stature of this man. And this is what Israel is faced with. And the giants in our lives are the same way. They are severe. The fourth thing that giants always are is they are certain. 
They are certain that they can beat you. They are certain that they are going to destroy you. And they are certain that you are not going to even try. It's interesting that David, young guy of probably 13, 14 years old, hears this and says, I will go and I will fight the giant. And, and Saul's response to David is, he goes, but David, you're just a kid, basically. And he goes, and you don't understand. He goes, this guy has been a warrior since he was a kid. He's been trained. He's a killing machine. Like since the day he was born, you know, his crib was probably like a king-size bed. He was trained to be a warrior. He was trained to kill and to destroy and to, and to, and to bring fear in the lives of everyone that he encountered. So Goliath had a reputation of being a man of war. Well, if giants are so severe and they're so certain and they're so relentless and they come out of nowhere, what do we do when the giants in our lives come against us? I'm glad you asked. The first thing that we have to understand is is we have to understand what fear really is. And this is a great way for you to understand what fear most of the time in your life is. It is fantasized experiences appearing real. Now, what does that mean? It means this. You take a problem and you take a, a, a situation in your life and you think about it. And you worry about it. And you analyze it. And you think about what all the people are going to say about this problem or what, what's going to happen here and what all the, the, the possible outcomes are. And you start thinking about all this in your head and you start worrying about it and you start stressing about it. And what happens is, is these things that haven't even happened yet in your life that you're fantasizing or thinking about it or in imagining what's going to happen all these experiences or this evidence, and then what happens is you work yourself up to the place that it appears that it's already reality. And so, lo and behold, in the middle of our life now stands a giant that we have created because we haven't dealt with problems the way God's Word instructs us to deal with them. So we have this fear in our life that paralyzes us. And I think one of the, the main things about fear is what we see. And so I want you to watch the screen this morning. I have a video clip I want you to take a look at that talks about how we deal with what we see. See, I love that clip because he says, oh, I could go to the 20, I could go to the 30. And the coach blindfolds him because so many times we stop or we get paralyzed in fear because of what we see. And it's amazing when we take our eyes off of the problems and we take our eyes off of the giants and we get right perspective, it's amazing how far that we can go and it's amazing what we can actually do if we have the right perspective. So when we're talking about opposition arises and these giants coming against us, we have to remove the opposition from the scene and recognize and remember who God is and what God wants to do in your life. Israel had, had failed to remember all that God had already brought them through at this point. And what's amazing is Israel had already faced giants in their past. When Joshua led them across the Jordan River into the promised land, they faced giants. They faced fortified cities. They faced every kind of opposition that you can imagine. And time and time again, 
God had brought them through. But Israel and Saul failed to remember what God had already done in their midst. And David recognized that the battle was not his, but the battle was actually God's. And if he had right perspective and was willing to do what God had told him to do, then God would give him the victory. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37, it says that God would give him the victory. He says, I'm not going to do this, that God will deliver me as God has done time and time again. And David reminds Saul of the time that he faced a bear and the time that he faced a lion. And he said, God delivered me through that. So why would God not deliver me in this? I know that God can do it if we just trust him. The second thing that we have to do is we have to hear the opposition in the right perspective. See, David heard Goliath defy God. He sees Goliath in relationship to his relationship with God. And David hears him defiling everything that he can about God. And then what David does, and this is what you and I have to do, is we have to learn to take the words of the opposition and we have to put that in proper context with what we find in God's word. What does God say about this situation? Too often we get caught up in what the world says or what everybody else says about this problem and we lose right perspective because we forget about the promises that God's already afforded to his people. But we listen to the wrong words. David hears his brothers and basically the entire army of Israel telling him he can't do this. Don't do this. You're going to die. There's no way you're going to beat this guy. And all of us in this room have people in our lives that do that. The second opposition comes and we're like, okay, I'm going to... I think I can do this. And what do they do? They're like, you are going to fail. This is going to be bad. You should not do this. You should just give up. Don't go out there. You're going to die. How many of you have people like that in your life? Of course you do. You're probably related to most of them. Right? Oh, I I, I know you better than anyone. And there's just no way you can do this. Right? We've got to listen to the right voices. And God is telling David that who is this guy that defies me and defies my armies? I am God. And David hears God's promises and remembers God's faithfulness throughout all of the opposition. And all the people trying to, quote, talk sense into you. Number three, we have to remember God's faithfulness we talked about what God has already done. You know, it would be amazing if we, if we had the time this morning to go around to each and every person in each and every row, and it would, it would be the fabric that we could weave of all that God has accomplished and God has saw each and every one of us through in this room would be absolutely astounding at the things that God has done and the faithfulness of God to continue to work and to move in our lives. But what happens is, with each new problem, we get selective memory, don't we? We forget about all this that God's already done, and we stand here and we look at this opposition, and we don't know what to do. But we have to remember what God's already brought us through. You know, that's what praise and worship really is. Like, praise is praising God for what He's capable, for what He's already done in your life, Right? We praise God. The Bible says, give him thanksgiving. We praise him for what he's done. But then we also worship him for what he's capable of. He's God. And that means he's capable of anything. 
But we have to have a right perspective in what we're remembering and what we're hearing. The fourth thing that we have to do is we have to go in our own strength and our own abilities. What's amazing is you will never find not a single miracle in this Bible, not one, where it didn't require people to step out in faith and to step out in the strength that they already had. When God called Moses, he told him to go in the strength that he had. What's in your hands? A stick. God told Gideon, go in the strength that you have. Go in what I've already given you. Time and time and time again, we see that God requires his people to step out in faith and believe that God is going to give them the victory. But too often time, we look at that and we say like, man, but what if God doesn't show up? Then what? And we go back to listening to the opposition rather than understanding that God says that he's already given us the ability. And David didn't try to fight Goliath on, on the terms of Goliath. David didn't go out with the armor and the sword and the helmet and go out to try to do combat with this guy because he realized that there's no way he's going to beat him at his own game, so to speak. So what does David do? David goes with the strength that he has. And what is the strength David has? A few rocks and a slingshot and faith. And he steps out and says that God, and he tells Goliath, it's so awesome. He says, God will deliver you into my hands today. Not for my glory, but for his glory. That God is going to do what only he can do. So we have to be willing to step out in faith. The fifth thing that David did that we have to learn to do is that we have to face the giants in our life with God in the lead. You see, Saul and the rest of Israel were afraid to step out and were afraid to move because they did not have God at the forefront. And so many times we want to we take the promises of God and we want to apply them to our lives, but we don't want to actually live in covenant relationship with God the rest of the time. We want to have like a convenient like insurance policy with God. Right? Where when we need him, you know, I like to call him Santa Jesus. We want to go crawl up in his lap and tell him about all of our problems. But when nothing that we need is going on, where's our relationship at with God? It's non-existent. But we want that just-in-case insurance policy that we think that somewhere we find in here. But you know what happens if you don't pay your insurance premiums? It gets canceled, doesn't it? And the thing is, is it's not about monetary, but it's like, what are you sowing your life with? You can't reap God's benefits and God's promises if you're not living in relationship with him. If you're not striving to live by what he wants you to live. If you're not living the way he's called you to live. Now again, none of us are perfect and none of us are ever going to be perfect. So let's get that out of the way. This isn't about, oh, I messed up. Shoot, God did something. I ought to do something. No, it does. God's salvation and his grace doesn't work like that. But what it means is, is it means that we have to be on task, and it means that we have to have relationship with God. And that doesn't include just when we need something from him. David says as he faces the giant with God in the lead, he says, this day the Lord will deliver you to me. David didn't go out and say, hey, I think that God, I know God can defeat you. Let me go pray about it and see if he's going to actually do this or not. 
I'll get back to you, Goliath. Just keep doing what you're doing. We'll meet again. Did David do that? No. Because if he probably did, he probably would have talked himself out of it. But what he says is rather, he says, this day, today, today this ends. You will no longer take control over the armies of Israel. You will no longer defile God. You will no longer keep us paralyzed in fear. This ends today. You're going to die. And so David steps out in the faith that he has and in the strength that he has, and God gives him the victory. And that's the sixth thing that happens once we do all these other things is that God will give us the victory if we trust him. But the point is, is that we have to be willing to trust him and stepping out and getting right vision, getting right perspective on our problems is the hardest thing that we face as humans. Because so often we think that we have all the answers. We can fix this. Like, I'll get through this. I'll get through this. I'll get through this. And what we never do is we never take the time to, to just apply what God's word says. You know, David would say, I'm sure at some point someone will come along and that, you know, God will do something. And, you know, God could have given David like some sort of a really cool flaming sword or like, a, like maybe like even a machine gun or something, you know, ahead of its time to just give David a little more confidence about, hey, I got you, dude. Look at this. You will totally kill this guy with this, right? That's not how God works, is it? He never gives you something obvious in your hands that you're like, and I win. No. He just wants you to go with what you have already in your hands. Because if we do that, then we're putting our trust and our faith in action. And that's what God requires of us. Because if he gave it to us, like, it, there would be no faith. The stepping out wouldn't be even part of the equation because it would be meaningless. But the most important thing that we do when this opposition and when these things happen is we have to step out in faith and look at the giant and say no more. And remember that most of the time the giants in our lives really aren't giants. But our fear has created giants through our worry. My granddad was still alive. He used to say this all the time. He would say, worry is a lot like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. And so many times we sit in life's proverbial rocking chair and we just contemplate all of the issues in our life, don't we? And all the issues in our family's life. And we're like trying to come up with a plan. Why don't we just give it to God? And just say, God, I trust you, and I know that you're for me. Your word says that you have plans to prosper me, and they're good plans that are going to increase me, that they're not plans that are— and the Bible even says this, that he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can even think. Now, if you stop and really understand what that word says, like, some of us have pretty bold imaginations. My kids have some phenomenal imaginations. And the Bible says that God can do more than you can even think about him doing. And that's such an, just awesome to think about. So that these little problems that arise in our lives that feel like these massive giants, God goes, I got this. Just step out in faith and trust me and remember what I've already done in your life. In your life. And we will get the victory.
That is where we're at this morning. And I know each and every one of you in here today walk into this place today with different situations, with different problems, with different obstacles, the things that you're facing. Each one looks differently. Each one is from a a different perspective. Some of you may be dealing with health issues this morning. Some of you may be dealing with financial issues this morning. Some of you may have relationship issues this morning. Maybe some of you have a a, a child and and there's a bad relationship there and there's bad vibes. The list goes on and on and on. Maybe some of you are having work issues here this morning and you're not sure what's going to happen next. And there's just uncertainty and there's problems and these problems feel insurmountable. But this morning, God says... If we step out in faith and if we trust him, that he will give us the victory. But we have to be willing to trust him. So all across this building this morning, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. As we look through the the story and as we look through what these giants do to us and and, and how it affects us and who we are and, and the opposition as it comes to us begins to paralyze us and begins to, to bring fear and uncertainty in our lives and into our world, incapable of moving on. We just have to remember that all we need to do is step out in faith and trust God and remember. Each and every one of you in here this morning has a story, has something that God has done in your life. And those are the things when opposition comes that we have to hold on to. And some of you this morning.